and welcome to the EDM podcast. I'm your host Sam Matler and this is a show where I interview successful producers, engineers and experts in the music industry. Today's guest is Austin Collins but he's better known as Oss, uh, that is spelt AU5. He's a phenomenal producer, very technical uh, and we dive into a bunch of production specific topics in this interview uh, such as workflow, sound design, uh, how he gets his drums so punchy. But we also talk about some other stuff, including how he got into music and how he made it uh, full time in the scene, some of the mistakes he made, uh, why he made two albums and so forth. One of the main topics we talk about in this interview is the vision he he had for his life, for his music, uh, for his career. Make sure to check out his music if you enjoy this interview and also leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can do that at edmprod.com slash iTunes. If you want the full show notes for this episode, head over to edmprod.com forward slash 66. That is edmprod.com forward slash 66. Without further ado, here is Oz. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I'm joined by Austin. How's it going, my man? It's going good, man. It's going really good. That's awesome. Now, uh, I want to talk about your background. For those who don't know you, who are you and, and how did you get to where you are today? So, um, my name's Austin. Um, I go by AU5 or Aus. Um, I've been a lifelong musician. Um, started playing piano when I was four. Um, took lessons till I was 13, then uh, picked up bass and guitar, and then kind of just like learned the ropes from there. Uh, initially with piano, uh, I was classically trained, and then kind of started to go more into like rock and then into funk and jazz um, when I pick up the str- when I picked up the string instruments. And uh, just that entire that entire um, experience uh, was just extremely beneficial. That that learning experience was just extremely beneficial to broadening my um, my musical tastes and abilities. So what made you get into production then at that point? So um, I've always been kind of interested in both music as well as like science and electronics and whatnot. So earlier on in my life, I was, um, they were always two separate things, music and science. And when I first heard electronic music, it was, uh, it was really exciting and, and new to me. And at the time I wasn't, my parents were, uh, did not like electronic music. They didn't play electronic music in the house or anything. Um, and around like age eight or nine, um, somehow, I don't even remember how I acquired this piece of software, but it was a very simple MIDI DAW, simple MIDI sequencer on my computer. And, um, I started, uh, I started just dabbling with like drawing MIDI in the piano roll using that. Um, and eventually they turned into more elaborate productions and whatnot. Um, and then I got, I discovered GarageBand when I was like 12 and I was like, wow, now I can actually make the kind of music that I, I hear in my head. Um, the kind of electronic music that I, that I really enjoyed at the time, which was like, uh, like trancey, like Euro dancey stuff. Um, so that was kind of my foundation with electronic music, uh, at around the same time at around like age 13, 14. Um, it was when I picked up the, the bass guitar and started playing in bands and, and stuff. And um, that was kind of a foundation for me to uh, move into just producing and recording and tracking in general, like learning learning how to mix and record and stuff. After I did the band thing, been through a few bands, recorded a few bands from, from like high school and stuff, um, I kind of decided that it was best for me to... Uh, just do my own solo project because being in a band, it's like, it's like a marriage. Everyone needs to meet halfway and yeah. everyone has to have the same vision. And it's always, there's always going to be a power struggle. Some people are going to be more motivated than others. 
And I just wanted to, I had, I had a solid vision and I had the, I felt like I had the ability to begin to execute that vision myself. So, so I just started doing that. What was that vision? Like, like explain that. Um, <laughs> I guess it was, it really came down to finding the balance between, um, musicality and like finding the balance between what is considered, um, like musical and technical and, and complex or, or like intelligent and uh and what feels good like the the bands and people that i were, were working with at the time it was kind of like it wasn't a it wasn't a balance of those two things for me it was either one or the other uh too much i think that's such a hard thing to do who in that case who are your influences or who were your influences back then and are they the same today <laughs> um let's see well, as far as electronic music goes, um, I was really into Infected Mushroom and uh, uh, Aphex Twin and Square Pusher and uh, All Tecker, all all the kind of like the the, the musical the musicality is there, but also the complexity and the the um, engine the complex engineering, which which really. Um, brought out the, uh, the the scientists in, in me mm. was uh, that was really appealing so that was kind of those were my those were like the people that I looked up to the artists that I looked up to the most uh, during that time and kind of pushed me outside of um, just like making really simple music simple dance music there's so much more within just sound design that you can use musically than just uh, than just melodic composition what's an example of that I, th- I think that a lot of people I think that sound design is underrated in certain like sections of the EDM or electronic dance music community um, mm. so what do you mean by that that there's certain elements in sound design that are more musical than people think or yeah um, I'm, let me think of an example like for, for instance um, the first few things that I started creating the first few projects that I that I was uh, really invested in was um you know, just basic uh, drum samples that were like stock in the DAW in the software, and um, like yeah, just basically like super saw pads and, and whatnot. And that was definitely enough. Like that sounded great. I was like, wow, this is so much better than the the crappy MIDI instruments that I was using before. Um, but after a while, I, I started to realize like there's so much more that you can express musically um, with that is different from the, the actual melodic composition of it. So like I can have a chord progression and a melody and the, the whole thing orchestrated like really well, but the, the way it is like the synthesis and the, the instrumentation is, is the other side to it. I, I like to think of like sound design and production and mixing and, and stuff as like, um, as like the, uh, the, the texture and the, the har- the harmonic content and the melodic stuff as like the color. I think that's really cool. So going back to your kind of journey so far, I mean, at what point did you see music production as like, oh, I'm going to make a career out of this. Like this is going to be my thing. Um, was there a singular point or was it kind of just a, a progression or like a slow transition? For, for a long time, for the majority of, of, of like my childhood, um, music has been like uh, just a hobby really. Um, my parents are artists as well, and they're they were very supportive of, you know, giving me lessons and supporting my creative interests, uh, which I'm extremely grateful grateful for. But um, I never really thought that it would be a career. I mean, throughout throughout my throughout my childhood, everyone told me like it's not possible to have a uh, a com- like live comfortably and also be like a performing musician. It's like the odds are just way out of your. Is it's just not sensible to do that. Uh, unless you want to become a music teacher, um, which wasn't really that appealing at the time. But over time, I started I started making started making um, started making songs, and then I uh, I put together an album back in 2010 and kind of shared it with my friends uh, in high school, um, and it got some pretty good reception, uh, more than I expected, because it was just like multi-genre experimental stuff that I've just been working on over the past couple years, um, and. That's when I realized. Well, I was going to go to. I was originally going to go to college for um, some type of science or, or uh, 
like like physics or chemistry or something. And then I decided hmm, maybe something more toward like uh, acoustic science or like acoustic like sound physics and and whatnot. Something that is like still a science and what's considered um, like like a, a real career, quote unquote. Something that is that guarantees stability and uh, and, and, and and income and stuff. Um, but last minute, I decided to. Um, I found a school that was for music production and recording technology. They had a, a music production program there, and um, I, I decided to say, you know, hell with it. I got accepted into it after I applied to a couple other schools for like, um, like I forget what it's called. It was some type of acoustic science that I was originally going to go for, but I decided let's try out music production, and. Uh, and so the first, uh, I, I only took one year, the, the first, uh, just two semesters, and it was a lot of fun, and I met a lot of awesome people and connected with a bunch of, like, just really cool people. It really wasn't doing much for me because a lot of the stuff that they were teaching was stuff that I already knew and that I already, like, either taught myself or was taught before. And um, around that time, I linked up with uh, a, a producer from uh, Baltimore scene, Fractal, and he, uh, um, we we started sharing music and, and collaborating. I was like, wow, you like your music is is really awesome. Like finally something that is both like technical and and, and powerful and also melodic and beautiful at the same time. I was like, wow, I'm I'm not I'm not the only one striving for that kind of. I'm not the only one that has that vision. So so we started making tunes together, um, and I decided that um, oh yeah, and then he also helped me get some get some small gigs here and there in the Baltimore scene. And uh, I was just fully immersed in music at that time. I started to neglect school and, and classes and, and stuff to like to, to make music. And I thought it was probably best to see if I could take a leave of absence for a year just mm-hmm. so I can pursue this music thing and, and at least get all of this stuff that was inhibiting me from my school stuff just out of me. And yeah, to see how far that can go, and if it if it didn't work in in a year, I could always I could always come back. So, I talked to uh, I talked to some of my friends, uh, my guidance counselor, um, my teachers. Um, the majority of them were not very supportive of it. They were like, "That doesn't really sound like a good idea." But um, but uh, my my bass teacher was was in support of it, and um, she yeah she was like, "If if you have if you have gigs like that's." You know that's the start of the career, so go for it. And she was in support of that. So uh, yeah, I took a leave of absence, and it was pretty much just like uphill from there. I I, I never went back. Um, yeah. It was. I mean, it's 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 been very slow baby steps um, progressing throughout the throughout this whole journey in, in the scene. But um, yeah, it's it's always been there's always been momentum. That's so. awesome. Did you feel any? any pressure though like during that first year because I could imagine being in that position like oh man like I've got a year to like make this happen I'm sure there'd be days where I sit down and I'm like just paralyzed it was both exciting and kind of scary too because it kind of went against everything that I prepared myself for and prepared like what I expected my life to to become you know like finish school get a degree and then like find the niche that I'm supposed to be in after that um so I was, I was kind of like an outcast in, in that regard within uh, amongst my peers, um, and that's that's scary because it's like I'm alone. But mm. at the same time, there were also other people that I met in the scene that were, um, you know, fully invested in in their making their music and what they were doing and, and gaining success from that. So first person I was seeing that it is actually something that's viable, um, and I guess that that faith or that gave me faith in just continuing to do what I was what I was doing and uh, just staying true to um, what I like to create I think that's a crucial point like you had people around you who were doing the same thing and perhaps were successful it's way harder to have hope if you don't have that or you can't see that you start to get in your own little bubble and it's like I don't know if this is possible Uh, but there there will be a lot of people listening to this right now who are maybe in that same position like I'm faced with going to college to study X or I can take a year off and do music. Let's say they decide to do music. What advice would you give to them having been through that 
what are some of the mistakes you made and what pieces of advice would you give to them to make the most out of that time? Um, that's kind of a tough one because a lot of things that happened for me were, were very specific to my, it was, it was a very subjective uh, experience. Um, when people in that position asked me like, should I, should I finish school or should I just do my own thing and, and push and see how far as it goes? It's really not as easy as just yes or no. There's a lot of things to consider. And there's, there's it's also a risk. It's a, a risk for everyone. Um, but during that time, I think what's really important what for me was to um, connect with the kind of people that have a similar vision that I do. Um, don't be afraid to um, don't be afraid to create something that you are unsure if people will like or not. But it, it, I feel like if you if you enjoy what you're doing and if you like to listen to what you're making, if you're if you're proud of it, um, it doesn't matter what anyone else. It doesn't really matter what anyone else is thinking. Uh, however, on the flip side. For me, I was kind of dabbling in a style that wasn't really a thing at the time. Um, I mean, there was dubstep and like heavy technical stuff, and there was like like trance and and, and IDM and and stuff that was happening at the same time. But they were separate scenes, uh, and I love both. And so my thing was to you know just combine all the stuff that I learned and that that I like and put them together in, in one thing. Uh, that was it was kind of scary because I, I didn't really know anyone else that was doing it. But in order for an audience to exist, there needs to be something. There needs to be something that people will like condense onto. So, and even even now, like still, I, I feel like my the kind of music that I make, my style of music, it's it's pretty much free of genre. Although mm -hmm. it has, they, uh, there's a lot of crossover with uh, like vibes and, and elements that I use amongst um, amongst my my songs. How did you connect with those people, though? I mean, you were in this space where like you're doing something different to everyone else. You can't find anyone who shares the same vision. How did you connect with the guys like Fractal and, and others? Um, <laughs> Fractal was an interesting case, but I, I guess it kind of applies to uh, all, all of the people that I met. Um, initially, when I when I was in high school, I was distributing this this album that I made, which is actually now available um, on Spotify and iTunes called uh, Minimality. It's my first debut album. Anyway, after I shared that with a bunch of people, um, one of my classmates said that he had his cousin was a, is a promoter in the uh, Baltimore scene, and that's actually who linked me up with with Fractal. Um, he's like, yeah, my, my cousin is a promoter and books artists um, in the Baltimore scene, and I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show him your music, and uh, see if, like, because I like your music and I feel like he'd, he'd dig your music too. Um, and so I, I think that caught on. Like he he reached out to me and was like, hey, this is what I do. I'm interested in working with you. Here's the other artist that I that I book. One of them being Fractal, and that's how we linked up. Um, but I think the, the most important thing is to get your stuff out there regardless of what you think people want uh, or yeah, what, whether people like it or, or not. I think it's, yeah, it's important to just spread whatever you have. It's basically just like, I don't know, like a, like a, like speaking publicly or like posting something yeah. public on Facebook. It's like, there are people that are not going to like it. And then there are going to be people that, that do like it. And the more people that you know, um, and the more people that you can connect with, um, those, those numbers just multiply. Like you're going to get more haters and you're also going to get more people that like your stuff. Mm -hmm. For me, I, um, what actually happened as far as like starting to get official label releases and whatnot was, so I released my album and then I made a second album the next year, um, called Ancient Stephanie, which you can also find on iTunes, Spotify. That was, uh, that introduced like a lot more like dubstepy sound design type stuff. And um, I started to get uh, messages on SoundCloud from startup labels um, interested in like promoting my music and potentially having like an official release. And this, this small label based out of um, Australia called Adam Recordings hit me up and was like, I'm really interested in your stuff. And um, I'd like to have, I'd like for you to contribute a track um, for a compilation, which was like the, their first LP release uh, to, to start off the label. And um, a couple of big names were on that. Uh, X-Corp was on that. Um, 
um, I forget a couple other people, uh, bigger artists were on that. And I was like, wow, this this is great. And so I decided to submit one of my songs, which was um, uh, the Essence, and that was released in January 2013, I believe, or 20 no 2012. Yeah, I think 2012. Um, that kind of was like the the first splash in into the scene like having an official release with all of these other artists that also have a fan base it's kind of just like a the whole thing is just kind of like a collaboration as far as like sharing audiences really so i started making some more music and then i released uh, an ep a small ep with uh, adam recordings and then um right as i right as school let out that summer uh, i think it was like the week of um I got hit up by um, Excision's manager and was like, hey, uh, I, I heard your music through this, through Adam Recordings compilation, um, and uh, Excision is interested in releasing some, some songs on, on Rotten, on this label. Oh, wow. And I was like, all right, this is it. I was like freaking out <laughs> so much <laughs> that whole week. So, um, yeah, I, I had two releases on there, uh, the COS VIP and um, Iteration, and they did really well. Uh, and I think just just having that um, that excitement to fuel me was a lot of gave me a lot of inspiration and motivation, and kind of crystallized. It kind of forced me to crystallize the vision, mm-hmm. musical vision that I that I had in mind. Um, and also, since it was uh, excision, I was like, "Man, I this has I really should blow this out of the water with yeah. the, the heavy the heaviness." Um, <laughs> so that's kind of what I tried for. Um, I I feel like I'm it it is important to understand the audience that it already exists and where you kind of fit in by default. Um, just like having like friends in a social life it's like you kind of have an influence over who you like you kind of have an influence over who is best to hang out with uh, and associate with and who isn't as well as just you being yourself attracting uh these different kinds of people so i I think it's i think it's important to find a balance between like what is already out there? What is accessible to people? What is what sounds familiar, as well as what do you have that is unique and that should be or that you feel compelled to express to the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's different, something something new and novel. And I think that's that's important, just in general, to 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 stay to stay relevant. Yeah. Is to uh, find the balance between those two things. It's like you have to somewhat follow as well as be a leader so anyway it was kind of a tangent but yeah after um after the the rotten release it was just kind of the same kind of process getting hit up by people that are interested in my music and willing to promo me um a lot of them were like like youtube channels like uh dubstep.net was one of them actually um which are now the the edm network um, or artist intelligence agency, and uh, yeah, they they just reaching out, seeing who is sharing your stuff. It's always great to 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 um, get back to these people that are that recognize you and and, and want to uh, and, and want to share your stuff, even if they don't even contact you. Uh, I think it's important to reach out to them and, and express like gratitude and whatnot. And that's how you you build um, like real connections. It's like. It's important to like kind of what we're doing right now. We are. It, it's not just a business thing. Mm. It's uh, it's it mutually benefits us on on just a, a personal and social level as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think it's yeah, it's important to have friends in the scene as well as um, as well as business partners. And there's kind of an overlap, which can get messy at sometimes. But I feel like that's what really allows people to connect deeper with their visions and, and goals and um and it just gives it more fuel to uh to push that vision into into reality 100 percent. i want to move on to some production questions but before i do that you said you um you know early on you put out an album and then you put out a second album like the next year why because like i i'd frequent on the show i'm sure you know who he is mm-hmm. um and he spent like half an hour just ranting about how hard it is to make an album 
Like, why, why would you make two albums to begin with? Well, uh, so, well, here, here, here's the thing. So I've been, I've been making music for a long time, um, way before I've actually started releasing music. So a lot of the right. stuff, like on the first album, was music that I was making over the past few years before I released that album. Um, I'm constantly working on stuff that I may or may not release. Uh, a majority of the stuff is are just works in progress that may or may not progress. Um, so after the first album was out, um, it, I don't know, I, I guess <laughs> there was just a bunch of stuff on my plate that was still in progress that I was working on. And then by the next year I already, I had eight, I think there was eight songs on the album. I had eight songs that were, uh, that were just ready to go. And uh, I decided to release it. It was a little bit under a year later. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to just get all this stuff off my chest that I've just been making for so many years prior. How do you how do you stay so productive? Like, you must have a super high output. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, um, I guess I guess I do. I think a lot of it comes down to um, discipline and and, and habit. Mm. Um, <laughs> as a child, like being an only child, um, I. I was um, pretty pretty sheltered, but also um, it left a lot of space um, for my parents to in- invest, uh, like taking me to, like putting me into a private school, giving me mm. private lessons, uh, and all this other stuff. And um, there's just been like a a, a pretty solid um, foundation when it comes to um, uh, self discipline. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think a combination of that and also the love of experimenting. I just I, 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 I like music and I also like just experimenting with things. Like when I was younger, I would just take things apart and then put them back together, or like rebuild some rebuild them into something completely different. I just love to see understand understand how things worked. And then once I got introduced to the DAW and all of these synths and stuff were brought into my into my world. Um, that was just like a perfect fusion between of the two things. It's like, you know, electrical engineering and music at the same time. Um, and that became something that was like really fun for me to do. Um, I would come home from, I would come home from school and, uh, like get homework done, which, which always sucked, um, (laughs) (laughs) but had to do it. But, um, my, my leisure time was was spent um, creating the the stuff that I was thinking about in my head prior. Um, you know, I, I would play games and uh, and and whatnot and other stuff like for leisure. But over time, like me creating something, it was really the only thing that left a sense of fulfillment after I was done. Playing a video game is like. It's a whole bunch of fun and all, but afterwards it's like, damn, where did the time go? Why do I feel yeah. like so out of, like, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not actually doing any good for me. It's just like a, like a t- temporary quick fix for uh, for for boredom or, or stress. Um, and so it gradually just became the transition of playing games into uh, into just playing in the DAW, uh, and that became my source of entertainment. Um, and at the time, I was just doing it for myself. There was no EDM scene that I knew of, and I, I just, yeah, I just wanted to experiment and create these things that I had in my head, and just get them out and uh, listen to them. Um, and I guess making a habit of that and having that be my source of uh, leisure, like entertainment and uh, and and stimulation, uh, actually turned into something that was that was actually pr- productive and, and a viable career. And I, I didn't even really know it at the time. I didn't yeah. think that, didn't know that it was even if I didn't know about the EDM scene or anything. Yeah. Didn't have any friends that were really into it either. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. And I love that you mentioned self-discipline as well, uh, because a lot of people, I think a lot of people get into music, uh, especially nowadays because it's become so popular, electronic music, they get into it. And the first six months or a year is super fun because you're learning so much so quickly and it's easy to sit down and just make music for a lot of people. And this is what happened to me. It gets to a point where 
oh, it's a little bit more difficult now. Like I'm struggling to come up with an idea or X or Y, Z. And um, they don't, <laughs> they've gone in with like this kind of false belief that it's always going to be easy uh, right. and don't cultivate that discipline, which is unfortunate because what you just talked about, that satisfaction that you feel after creating something or after spending time on music or a project that is so fulfilling and it can't really be replaced by just um yeah like playing games or, or doing something else mm-hmm. it's i and i mean it's still hard for me like trying to one-up myself every time and trying to you know like i, I thinking about it still gets to me like reading comments and people are like yeah that sounds too much like your other song or it's it's like i don't really like what you're doing um and it makes me kind of question like what it kind of just takes me out of myself and makes me question like what like what am i really doing am i on the right path here and am i going to be relevant is am i going to still be able to live comfortably over the next year or two um yeah i mean that's it's it happens like on a weekly basis i still those kind of things still get to me. But I, I I remember that before all of this stuff happened, I was fulfilled just doing it for the sake of doing it without that. And I think that is what's important to remember. And once you just start doing it, like, for instance, I will sit down with an intention to create something that people will like or something that is just going to be so next level. And I start working on something and I'm just like grinding through it. And eventually it's like, there's a lot of resistance that I'm experiencing for some reason. And it, it gets frustrating. And then, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll just like, I feel like I'm just stuck or like I have writer's block, but really it's just, um, the, the, the reason that happens is because your immediate creation is not living up to your projected expectation or the expectation of what you think people expect of you. Yeah. Um, and that's what's going to inhibit you. So people that are struggling to like stay relevant or don't know if like what they make is actually viable for, for a career. Um, I think it's important to set aside space and time for yourself. It may be like a month of just not socializing much or even even a year, like take a year of absence off of work or school if, if it's possible and spend time with yourself and really discover like, what do you like to make for the sake of making it? Like, mm. what do you want to hear? Don't, don't worry about anyone else. Like, I've been, as an only child, I've been pretty introverted my whole life and pretty isolated. And I think that was one of the things that um, has allowed me to facilitate um, not really caring of what other people think about what I'm doing mm. at that time. But yeah, on, on the flip side, it makes it hard to, to network and socialize. But um, that will come if you have something that, if, if you have something new yeah. and exciting, um, you're going to attract like-minded people are going to attract people that are in the same mindset and see the view, view the world the same way that you do um, because you're speaking through your music mm-hmm. the more honest you are with yourself the more honest your music is going to be and the more honest you are being in the in the whole social realm it just is more fulfilling because that's like you don't have to try to be something else in order to uh, appeal to people you just um, you just do what you want to do and uh, just love yourself <laughs> and then people will love you yeah no I love that man I love that um, okay so let's switch gears and talk about like the nitty gritty of production when you sit down to, to work on something new do you have a process or like a certain workflow does it change every time what does that look like for you Okay, so it, it varies. Um, there are times where I have just the desire to create sounds and experiment with synth and stuff without any intention of creating a song. And I think for producers, it's also important to um, to kind of separate your compositional process with your sound design and production process. Um, because one is very procedural and analytical uh, and the other is very intuitive and um, uh, creative. It's just something you feel. It's more emotional. 
it's not so logical. Um, and when, when I, for instance, like if I, if I start creating a song and then get too, to, like, I need, I need this to sound this way and get too, um, wrapped up in like the technical nitty gritty stuff, uh, of, on the production end, um, I lose the creative flow very quickly. Um, so as far as my process goes of, of actually creating something, usually I will just load up a simple uh, patch or preset that I that I made prior in my experimental sessions that I that I saved, and uh, I'll just start going to town uh, with 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 that. I just finished a song last night, and it was uh, it took about two or three days to make. And when I first started making it, all I was doing was just creating an arpeggio. I was just creating just a simple art pattern, experimenting with uh, different patterns and chord progressions. And through that, I, I think starting off with like a melody chord progression or like an, like an arp or something um, is really conducive, at least for me, it's really conducive to um, expansion like mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. taking something that is, uh, it, it's a foundation which is very easy for me to expound upon musically. So um, I'll, I'll have a chord progression in my head usually when I'm taking a shower and there's like all this ambient noise. I'll, I'll hear things that aren't really there or it'll, it'll just stimulate like my mind's ear in a way or in a sense. And uh, something, will, something will stick or, or catch or like I'll, <laughs> on the rare occasion, uh, I'll be blessed with having a dream where I hear a new song and a part of that sticks with me when I wake up and I'm like, okay, I hear it. I know how to create that. Uh, it's, it's really just something simple, like a simple chord progression, something that has movement emotionally, um, that serves as a foundation for, um, for expounding upon. So, um, I'll throw down a chord progression and then I'll put like a simple baseline down, nothing, no crazy sound design stuff yet. Um, and then, um, I'll just start stack. I'll, what I do is I'll create like a loop of uh, like eight bars, and then put the progression in, baseline in, um, and then start writing melodies on top of that. And then I'll I'll mute other parts and then create other things uh, on top of that. And I just start stacking vertically, like stacking the uh, instruments and uh, melodies and stuff vertically. Usually somewhere in that process, I'll I'll put a beat on top of it. Uh, I may tweak it here and there, like I might tweak it down the line, but um, just something to really get a groove in. And then I'll start getting more technical with the uh, the, the percussive and the the rhythmic aspect of it. Usually for me, when I start something, it's it's all harmonic based, meaning um, I'm not really concerned about like the groove or the beat yet until I get like the the harmonic foundation down through through the chord progression, the melody. So after I after I make like a stack of things, what I'll start doing is duplicating things and then masking other parts. So I'll just duplicate a bunch of things out and then I'll start muting parts that I uh, already already made. So it will evolve. Mm-hmm. But it's this, the whole thing is has the same foundation. It's the same harmonic foundation, um, and from there it's just I don't know if if I am in the flow for for long enough, and if I'm creating um, fast enough at that point, the song will just write itself. Man, that's awesome. And and where does like mixing come into all this? Is it something you do as you go, or is it something you leave till the end? of the songwriting arrangement process? Um, after I get like, I guess what I would consider like a verse down, which is just like the, the you know, the first part of the song with a beat, then I will I will mix that and then start doing the sound, uh, sound design stuff. Mm. It's kind of tricky though, because like I said before, um, if you get too invested into the sound design and production stuff, you can lose your um, creative flow very quickly. So usually when I have a verse down, I, I already anticipate of where the song is going to go. And then that is when I will start uh, making my drums sound really tight. Um, just doing basic sound design stuff. Again, a lot of the stuff as far as like bass design and uh, like really morphing stuff goes, um, I create those in separate projects. 
just dedicated for sound design and I'll load mm-hmm. those in so I don't have to waste too much time on sound design. Um, but as far as mixing and stuff goes and making everything sound clean, I'll do that as I'm, as I'm writing it, like after I get past the verse. So then I'll start like dedicating time to, um, I'll just mix as I go along. And then once I have everything sounding nice and nice and mixed um it's pretty much just as easy as continuing the the composition end because everything all your tracks are already pretty much mixed um and except just like little minor tweaks here and there as i go along um so yeah after the verse is done everything sounds mixed i can just go into the rise and into the drop and uh everything's like pre-mixed for me really and the fact that it sounds good as i'm writing it is just makes it more inspirational to, to write because like if everything yeah, was yeah. like sounded dull and I'm like oh, I gotta grind through this composition and it's kind of kind of the same thing as like wow these sounds are really cool but it's like I'm trying to grind through uh, the, the composition if I get too invested in just composing and compose the entire song that becomes hard to do without it sounding nice to me yeah. at the same time if I am creating really cool sounds and stuff it, that also makes it harder to uh to finish the composition so you have to have kind of a balance of both for sure i don't i don't understand how people can't mix as they go to some extent like if i start a song and i pull like a sample in or plug in and it's too loud i'm going to turn it down or i'm going to eq it like just naturally a listener asked how you get your drums so clean and punchy because all your music like the drums just stick out is that just sample selection or do you have a certain um, way of processing your drums or um yeah. back in the day i would use like uh just stock samples from from the daw or like uh like vengeance samples and um at the time i was using i was using logic as my doll and there's a uh, drum synth or a drum sampler slash synth that was built into logic called ultra beat it was really cool because you could load up samples. You could also um, manipulate the samples with like uh, envelopes. Um, there was filtering, different types of distortion, noise generators, um, and like sine wave generators and stuff. And that allowed me to, you know, put in a sample that was kind of like the foundation, an already existing sample that I, I didn't make. That was a foundation, and then start to tweak that, like, uh, yeah, like filter um, enveloping and, and and pitch enveloping. Back when I first started, when I, when I was using Ultrabeat, and when I think I got my drums to sound really tight around, like, uh, I guess, like, around 2013, I guess I would say, was when my drums started to sound pretty good, was um, a lot of just, yeah, filter and pitch enveloping, uh, but very, very minute stuff, stuff that takes a while to train your ear to to hone in on i i feel like my ear over over time and also just as music has been improving in fidelity um just everyone's ears have started have become more attuned to like subtler subtler things like like texture and uh like subtle texture and like uh transient uh, the transients of like sounds and drums so yeah, I, I used I used pitch enveloping, which was it was a really basic technique. I would just um, create like a very short, I think like fifty millisecond um, uh, sweep at the beginning of the sample, and that gave it a really uh, clean and, and 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 punchy transient for the drums. And then I would do some EQing and then some soft saturation to uh, to preserve the loudness without it like going way over 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 zero so but recently as far as drums go i've been pretty much just exclusively um synthesizing them from scratch uh using the same techniques like i would make basic drum sounds using just like like operator like sine waves and 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 white noise and then some filtering and some enveloping and then i would do some processing on that and then i would render that to audio and then do further processing on that and then i would like cut up small sections of the audio and then warp them and just i don't know just a lot of tweaking and there will get to a point where it's like ah that that has this the kind of snap and punch and fullness that i'm looking for and then yeah i'll, I'll render that out and then throw it in the sample folder and then load that up later and then most likely i will 
process that again depending on how it fits into the mix of the song that I'm working on. So the whole thing is a process, but it's just composed of a lot of second nature techniques that I've just learned over the years and just using my ear. Also having the right kind of listening equipment makes a huge difference. Like I was using like cheap Bose headphones for uh, like noise canceling headphones for, um, <laughs> for, for a long time. Like, I guess from like 2010 to like 20. 12, 2013, or like before 2010, up to like 2013. And uh, they, I mean, it was it was great. I thought it sounded great at the time. And then I realized like, damn, everyone else's mixes are sounding like really clean. Why can't I get this? Um, and I realized like, it just was, I just wasn't listening on the right, on the right equipment. Um, getting headphones that are, that are pretty flat, like what I'm using right now uh, are Sennheiser HD 650s. They're open backs. And when I got these, I got these uh, about three years ago, and it completely changed the game for me. I realized there's so much more that I wasn't hearing otherwise with closed back headphones. The transient response is incredible. Like I will listen to something, I will listen to, um, to stuff or I'll try to produce on closed back headphones and I can hear the the phase incoherencies in those headphones and like where the resonant peaks are and just like the overall resonance of the headphone cavity and I'm like I, I can't I can't work with this because it's like uh, I don't know it's, it's uh, an exaggeration would be like it's kind of like trying to make music through like a guitar amp at that point it's, it's just too colored for me um, yeah, having having mon having proper monitors are also really important. I was using um, KRK Rocket Sixes for for a while, um, and I thought they were great too. But then I realized um, the same thing with the transient response. The KRK Rocket Rocket Sixes have a um, a front uh, a front port for like the um, what is it called like the sub the base port I don't know it's just to increase the, the the bass response on smaller speakers but the problem with that is because it's front ported uh, everything below the that frequency crossover is going to be um, rotated 180 degrees out of phase because as the speaker is pushing forward the air is pushing in um, and vice versa I didn't I didn't think that there was any problem with that until I listened to speakers that were backported or that, that were just, <laughs> yeah, were backported. And then all of the, all of the, the sub frequencies were now in phase with all of like the mids and highs. And I was like, wow, that's what a, that's what a kick drum really sounds like when it, when it punches. <laughs> like I can hear that there's yeah no phase rotation and everything is just so much more clear and, and clean. And I think having proper listening equipment, it's, it's going to train your ear faster. Having something that's, playing what it actually sounds like uh, coming out of the speaker or whatever is whatever you're doing in the DAW should be what you're hearing as the most accurately as possible. I think that's that's one of the fastest ways to learn. It's just experimenting on equipment that is going to reproduce what you are actually doing in the box faithfully. That's awesome. That's such good advice. Awesome. I've got one more question before, uh, before we wrap up. How do you approach sound design? I mean, this is something that stands out in all your music. We've talked a little bit about it, but do you have a particular process or workflow when it comes to sound design or do you just experiment endlessly? In the beginning, when I first started doing bass design, when I first started making, particularly when I first started making dubstep, a lot of it came down to trying to emulate what other people were doing. Using, like, I, when, I, when I got Massive, it came with a bunch of presets. I was like, wow, this is really cool. These sound awesome. I can throw these in my songs and then tweak them a lot and then make them sound like something totally different. Uh, and through doing that, that's kind of how I learned how the synthesis worked. It's like, how do I get this like vocally or like valley formanty effect um, that's in this preset? Um, and then I would just reverse engineer it by, by experimenting and tweaking it. Um, and I think that's one of the fastest ways to learn is by just reverse engineering stuff and, and also experimenting and understanding like, uh, it, it got to a point where it's like, okay, I hear what something should sound like or how I want this sound to become. Uh, and then from my prior, prior knowledge of um, just experimenting and uh, reverse engineering things, I already kind of had like a, 
it already became kind of second nature of like what knob to tweak or what filter to use or what oscillator to use to achieve that certain sound. And over time, you start building a repertoire of these these techniques where it's like you don't really have to think about what's happening technically anymore. You just have to hear something in your head or something that isn't there, and then uh, you just kind of it's just kind of second nature. You know how to go about doing it, and through through the through that process. It's kind of like sculpting. It's like you know the feeling of what it takes to get something to sound like a, like something else, but throughout that process, you are also having real time feedback on what you're changing and what you're manipulating. And uh, I think it's important to not only try to create and chisel everything that you hear into your head into into existence, but let the natural chaos that arises within your your limitations the DAW's limitations the sense limitations your environment's limitations allow those allow that natural chaos to inspire you as well um it can be for me it can be really it has been really frustrating to try to get something to sound exactly like how i hear it in my head and i just can't do it and it's a waste of energy and it's not really the most sensible way to go about something um working within your limitations is uh or just limitations in general is conducive to um, to novelty and creating new things and creating new ideas as long as you are receptive to what the natural chaos to what nature is 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 is, uh, is feeding back to you so yeah. <laughs> like if just experimenting tweaking in a synth, tweaking knobs in a synth and stuff you know I'm like wow this doesn't sound like what I wanted to sound like but it sounds cool let's take a completely new approach to uh to where i was going and see where it leads that's fantastic uh thanks again so much for your time do you have any last words of advice for the people listening have fun with it yeah have fun i like it i like it yeah. thanks man yeah thank you so much sam this is this has been a blast really appreciate it